Kelly is a transformative wellness coach, divorce mediator, attorney, speaker, and author of the book, Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate. She is working to end the shame and stigma surrounding divorce and is known for her unique, non-toxic approach that she has developed over two decades in practice. In this interview, Gabrielle and I talk about the inspiration for writing a book about separation and divorce, strategies for parting couples who want to bring a more peaceful dynamic to their own divorce, and some real-life tips for dealing with all the... Um, yeah, so super excited about your book, Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate. Um, and I have some questions that I've, you know, want to want to go over. Um, but this book, I think, is, is really fascinating. There really aren't a lot of books out there about divorce and especially divorcing in sort of an amicably positive way or amicably positively way. Um, and this really takes a holistic approach to divorce, which I think is really powerful. So um, thank you for writing it. Um, thank you. Yeah. The first question I have for you is you've coached and counseled hundreds of clients over the past 25 years as a divorce attorney and mediator. What inspired you to write a book about separation and divorce? So, um, I, you know, I'll begin that um, briefly at the beginning. Basically, I grew up with parents who divorced when I was nine and my brother was six, um, and we had a shared parenting plan long before that was a thing. And I had parents who were sort of like... Um, you know, really proud of how great they divorced and almost like braggy about it. And I actually did not experience it to be so incredibly great. You know, there was plenty of fighting and drama and crying and stuff like that that comes with the territory, obviously. And um, when I went to law school, in fact, I steered clear. I'm like, I'm not taking family law for a grade it was required but I just took I like I took corporate finance for a grade and I took family law and pass fail because I'm like I'm so done with this topic and um, (laughs) and lo and behold within a few years of graduation I found myself working for Judge Jeffrey Sunshine who is now the chief um, matrimonial court judge in the state of New York and that's where I um, First of all, I learned how much I love dealing with this subject matter. It was like, you know, I knew it really well. I lived it my entire life. And um, and that's where I also saw how miserably so many people treat each other and how mm. the system really creates and encourages a lot of chaos. And mm. um, And that got me looking back to say, like, you know, what had my parents done right, right? And there was a lot of things they had done right. And... At the same time, um, I had been practicing mindfulness and yoga for mm-hmm. um, throughout my life. My parents, when they were married, used to bring us, my brother and me, to like these yoga retreats and stuff in the, in the Berkshires. You know what I mean? Right. It was like the 70s. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I just had in my mind that um, mindfulness and divorce really went together. And I just, over the course of the time that I was working for the judge and then when I left working for him um, and I was practicing a bit in the litigation model, which I really didn't like, I just, mm. um, I knew it had to happen. And I started mm-hmm. to put proposals out to, um, you know, different um, publishing agents. And it, mm-hmm. it took some time to find someone who, like, really understood sure. um, that there, because a lot of people were like, what does mindfulness have anything to do with divorce? And I was like, right. oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're well. They almost seem like two opposing things, but to to sort of bring them together is unique, but I think really powerful, as your book shows. 
Um, yeah, every and really everyone who's been through a divorce, um, myself included, knows that it's an emotionally taxing experience in addition to, for some people, being costly and time-consuming. Um, and while divorce rates are leveling off, still 40 to 50% of marriages end up in divorce. I wish I had this book when I got divorced, and, and not because mine wasn't peaceful. I think in some ways it was almost too peaceful, certainly too fast. Um, but it would have been helpful to have this guidebook that walks me through the stages along with this mindful approach to a harmonious outcome, which is something that I'm a strong believer in. Um, it just would have been hugely instrumental. And I think the hardest part about divorce is that either whether one party wants it or both do, um, it does bring out, it has the tendency to bring out the worst in people. Um, what are some tips for people who want to bring a peaceful dynamic to separation and divorce from the beginning? Okay. Um, so this is such, a, that's such an important question because it's such an important message. Mm-hmm. Um, so the most important thing is to really be kind to yourself mm-hmm. and to take space for yourself in the process because mm-hmm. Many people are, they find themselves in a situation where their spouse is not at the same emotional point, right? right. So totally. that doesn't mean that over time you won't sort of be in sync with each other, but largely when, you know, somebody's either super ready to get divorced and feeling impatient, mm-hmm. or they feel right. dragged along and it comes upon them, and maybe in retrospect they should have seen it coming or whatever, but they can't. Right. And like, and, and then there's other people who are on the same page, but um, one one of the parties is so difficult to deal with that mm-hmm. you know you feel like oh well I can't be mindful because this or that sure. you know because it's out of control, and recognizing your own agency in tone setting just as we have that power in all parts of our life, right. but we don't realize we have that power right because mm-hmm. we're like spinning in our internal stories so recognizing your agency and being really mindful about taking a little break for you every day, even when you're like swimming in the sea of chaos and you feel like there's just like, um, I don't know, it can feel more than a black cloud. Like you're just like living through a maelstrom when you're going through it. Right. It's like, you, like you feel like, Oh my gosh, is this like what my life is now? Right. Like, is it like, I thought I was a happy person, but I'm not. And I feel this black cloud and this, and to, to really force yourself to just give yourself a little tiny pocket of you time, whatever that means. Like, you know, spending time outside walking with a friend or reading a book. And if you can find something that can, like, make you um, feel a little bit of levity mm-hmm. during that hard time, just a little right. bit, that right. can start to, like, pave the way. Sure. Um, but And, and, and also um, taking space from the conflict when you're in the conflict, that's another thing, like knowing that just because somebody is saying something true. Okay. So let's say you're in court or you're at the mediator and your ex is saying something that is just a lie and it's like so infuriating and you can't like let go of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the knowing that everybody is not assuming that what they're saying is true. And you know what I mean? Because it can feel like, oh my gosh, how can they they be saying that? Right. 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 Like that's such a divorce. Yeah, exactly. It's such a a common thing. And just knowing that like all of the people who 
who are in this field, we know that there are so many different ways to mm-hmm. see the truth. It's not all about spinning the truth. It's actually right. that we have different visions of the truth. And like, right, right, you know. for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, it, oh, and I don't know if that's. I don't know if I'm answering your question no, right. I don't know. You totally are. I think. I think the point about taking time for yourself is really critical because there, like you said, there are so many emotions swirling around some emotions that make are making you question the decision to leave or to stay or whatever the case mm-hmm. and and taking that time for yourself for the moments of mindfulness and quiet i think it's really powerful um and then yeah. Sorry. Go, no. So I was no. I was just gonna say, and and you know, if you have children by any chance, mm-hmm. you know, just knowing your children are gonna be okay. It's not. Yeah. It. It. You know, kids um, are incredibly resilient, and if they see right. that you're okay, they're gonna be okay. True. Um, so true. I. I just think people. I've heard so many stories of people who feel like they're ruining their kids' lives, you know, or like what are they, their kid doesn't have a family, but it's not true that you don't have mm-hmm. a family. You just have like a transformed family. I, I always, I sort of grew up struggling with the idea of like people calling my home quote unquote broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it wasn't broken. There's a lot of married families that are more broken than my, you know, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Divorced family. To be in a situation where the parents aren't getting along, but to stay together for the sake of the kids, quote unquote, is like, worse I think than ultimately parting in a way that will be harmonious for for everyone involved yeah better that's why we call better apart right because a lot of people are truly better apart for sure for sure um you so you talk about the quiet power of patience as being being an effective tool in achieving an amicable divorce which sounds great but when you're in it there's nothing at least for me there was nothing I wanted more than to get the painful process done with um, though my divorce was done in less than three months, which I realized wow. was atypical. I, I was in Maine when I got divorced. Um, but in hindsight, I think it was actually too fast. Like, I think it probably should have been a longer process. Um, and so this chapter really resonated with me. How can people shift their mindset to get to this place of patience, knowing that doing so will result in a better outcome for them in so many ways, emotionally and financially and, and all of it. Um, okay, so so just one side note to your point about mm. patience and how, um, you know, in retrospect, I've had that happen multiple times when I've mm. represented people and it goes so quickly and yeah. the other lawyer and I are like, wow, we did such a good job. They're right. so happy. And then like right. next thing you know, there's a fight over something really stupid mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I've had the conversation with other attorneys where we say, you know, it went mm-hmm. too fast and the people weren't done. And it's not right. about the issues, it's about the dynamic. And totally. and also, when I was a young lawyer, um, mm-hmm. some much older lawyer who was probably like, you know, 35, but he seemed like he was 100. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like sad. But anyway, he said... Um, I was like, why do these divorces have to take so long? And he said, mm. Gabrielle, my dear, divorce is like a fine wine. It needs time mm. to age. Interesting. And so um, so the how, okay, so like let's just assume everybody knows you need patience. And you need, you're going to need patience with so many things. You need patience right. with, with the lawyer, with the judge, with your therapist, the kid's therapist, your financial planner who's not getting back to you. How about the law, right? The law is right. so wrong. How could this be? Blah, 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 blah. Um, one really effective tool is um, to give yourself a mantra, telling yourself, you know, I'm radiantly calm. I'm mm. radiantly calm, you know, mm-hmm. and just say it morning, noon, and night as a habit. Yeah. Um, or 
starting to develop a practice of deep breathing, you know, in through mm. your nose, holding it at the top, and then out slowly. Um, I'd do in for three, hold for three, out for five through your mouth, mm-hmm. just while you're sitting at the table. When you get that annoying phone call, um, you know, create guidelines. I mean, there are so many different issues, so depending on the issue, I would say, you know, slightly different responses. But the the, the main point is to make space. So, like, let's mm-hmm. say um, you have an issue with um, – Emails, you, you know, you don't like the way the emails are coming through. You can create mm-hmm. a side email, you know, that you know you're going to check at a certain mm-hmm. time so you're not, like, having your whole day derailed by some email that you don't want. Or, or maybe everything feels like it's all over the place. There's these amazing parenting apps. There's something called FAIR, F-A-Y-R. Okay. Yeah, and that's an incredible communication tool that people don't know is out there, mm-hmm. and it allows parents to email to each other and put all their financial stuff and everything all in one spot. So, I mean, there are resources out. Yeah, it's amazing. And and everything's evolving so much. Mm. So with technology and whatnot, there's Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. ways to approach um, divorce and, and uh, communication. No, I think that's a really interesting point. So you're not having the influx of texts or emails or, um, yeah. Exactly, and you might need a coach to get through it too. Right. I mean, beyond your your lawyer and your therapist, um, you know, there are lots of divorce coaches. Um, you know, and you know, I, I'm going to have um, just a uh, little webinar that you know you can mm-hmm. buy right on my website. That's just like mm-hmm. a, a sweet little coaching thing, like self coaching. If you don't want to go to a coach, right. there's just there's a lot of resources out there. Okay. It's just knowing to go out and get them, and they're not weird. You know, they're exactly. helpful. Not not to have to have shame or embarrassment around seeking out these resources or tools to help. Uh, yeah, that is such an important point. Mm. That's such an important point, not having yeah. the shame, the For stigma. Sure. Like, why is there a stigma when it affects, like, almost half of everybody in some exactly. way? But there so, there's so is, you know. And, and I think it's usually the stigma is coming from people who are married, and, and there might be fear around it, right, which is creating the stigma. I think about that. I um, think that's true, but I also right. think we put the stigma on ourselves, right? Well, yeah, because it is embarrassing. It is embarrassing. And then over time, it's like, well, I actually got through this and I'm better as a result of it, you know, and I think that's totally an interesting way to look at it. Um, but, yeah, on, on that note, one of the biggest challenges in divorce is the narrative you tell your world, your community, your friends, family, colleagues. And though the landscape is changing, there really is, like we said, so much shame still around divorce. What are some mm-hmm. tips for people struggling with how to communicate or share their truth? So, so I think um, in terms of how to share it, um, I would I would drip it out slowly to people that you need to talk to first. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd wait till so your own emotions are down a bit before you share because you don't what you mm-hmm. don't want is to create gossip that comes back at you in ten years, twenty years, or comes back right. toward your children. You know, like mm. if you were not treated well and you tell, you know, your cousin who has sort of a big mouth and then, you know, twenty years later your cousin makes some comment to your then adult child, that can feel bad to the kid, right? And mm. you didn't and maybe you're over it. So right. I, I would I would I would think really heavily about, um, you know, who you share what to and how much. And also Mm. know that people are not judging you the way you may be telling yourself. Yeah, you're judging yourself. That's exactly right. The judgment is mostly about us, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, totally. and it's the same thing, like, if somebody's treating you badly, it generally doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with them. And right. we all know that, but I just think it's a really good reminder. Like, one of the, your first question was, like, why did I write the book? One reason that I wrote the book is I felt like because I have had so much experience professionally working with divorced people and personally living in a divorce environment in blended families and all the rest of it, um, I, I just want to the readers and, you know, people in the world to not feel alone, to feel held, Mm -hmm. to know that, like, Mm -hmm. when you're outside on the street, like, some big percentage of other seemingly happy, perfect people are not happy and perfect, you know, like, like, like half of them are probably social media. Oh, my gosh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some statistic about people who share their relationship on social media are actually less content in their relationships. Than, than they huh. be, which I, I think is interesting. That yeah. is so interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, that is really fascinating. Cause sometimes yeah. I see that and I'm like, hmm. Right. It, right. Like for me, it would be feel feel weird to share some of that stuff. Right. Right. Like it's almost a sacred, private sort of thing. So yeah, a hundred percent. So that's helpful. Yeah, I, I think you know uh, on that note, you write, you write in the book, which I, I love this quote, that your dear brilliant Grandpa Walter taught you to put people on a shelf rather than throwing them away. What are your thoughts on being friends with, with an ex on social media out there in the world? It's a question that comes up again and again, but what's your take on that? Do you think a clean break is the way to go? Or So I think, or, to be, yeah. so, so are you talking about social, okay, so first of all, social oh. media Generally, mm-hmm. I think during your divorce, I know mm-hmm. today it's like nearly impossible right. to totally be off social media. But if you're old enough <laughs> where you're not totally <laughs> dependent upon it or, right. you know, you, you know, I, I do think emotionally you're probably going to be happier if you're right. off social media because there are so many things you can see and things can mm-hmm. look different or people can post things. Just appearances can set off moods and create and triggering for sure really mm-hmm. triggering so mm-hmm. my advice is if you can 100% stay off social media stay mm-hmm. off it because not not even just not be following or being friends with your ex yeah 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 because right. chances are there's like circles where you're going to cross over right. and you're going to see something and like yeah. i know there's like a big desire often to snoop or to you know well i'm not on but my kids are but like yeah. to the extent that you know and, and i think to the extent because like we're people right like we all we're, have we're lots human. of <laughs> yeah. we're human oh like right so yeah. that's one thing that being a divorce lawyer has shown me that like mm-hmm. you know we all have feelings and we all right. you know and so so my advice would be to just like generally not be on social media. Um, if now in terms of being friends, I think um, you know that's so that's so personal, right? Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. probably need some boundaries to begin with. I wouldn't use mm-hmm. your ex necessarily as your confidant because that gets complicated. Mm-hmm. There, you know, I think boundaries right. are really important. Um, so I talk a lot about in the context. In my book, you know, we have these like five sort of elements like patience, respect, peace, clarity, and forgiveness. And like around respect, it's about like developing your self-respect. Right. And um, when you're feeling full of shame, like you were saying, and stigmatized, um, your self-respect, even if you normally like feel pretty good about yourself in your life, your self-respect can totally take a nosedive. And so what I would say is to like, 
you know, maybe make a list as a habitual thing um, of the people, places, and things that lift you up, that make you feel good, that elevate your sense of internal joy. And mm. so that if you do that as almost like as a as a meditation, like maybe at night before you go to bed, it's something to look forward to. Um, because words have power, right? it can like reset how you are feeling and what you're thinking. And over time, there'll be more joy in your life. And and so I would say you don't need to like throw away the people or relationships or places mm. or whatever, but maybe mm-hmm. put them a bit to the side. Um, yeah. Sometimes like my, my friends who I've, I, you know, I, I've said this expression to friends of mine before and, um, you know, they'll be like, uh, they'll call me and say, have I been shelved? Because <laughs> I haven't called in a while. I'm like, no, I'm just busy. <laughs> exactly. Right. Get back, get back to me in a couple of weeks, and yeah. exactly, yeah. No, that's a really good expression. I think that's true, and I think time heals wounds, you know. And in the midst of divorce, you know, emotions are high. Conflict is the potential for conflict is obviously there, and then over time, you know, I think once, especially once the grieving is another thing in divorce, that's a real, real thing, and and it's mm. amazing how much two years how much changes in two years, you know, after a marriage is over and how you see things so much differently than you did um, in a positive way, you know, having an appreciation for the person that in ways that you didn't have before. And um, I think it depends on your resilience and on the length of your right. marriage. I mean, it all, there's a lot of components for that sure. go into that, but, but I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I think every divorce is unique and, and, you know, obviously, Divorces are, or couples are comprised of two people and different personalities and whatnot. But um, yeah, no, I I really think that that expression really resonated with me. Um, I think another interesting topic, especially for the person walking away or wanting to end a relationship or marriage is is guilt. You know, Mm. it's something people feel, whether there's been infidelity or not, just guilt Mm -hmm. for walking away from a relationship when the other person doesn't want it. Um, And I know I was the the person to walk away from my marriage, which was really, it was a really tough decision. Mm. Um, But, you know... The idea of hurting another person was is can be really hard, um, e- even though you know that you don't want the marriage anymore. You know that that you you're ready to end the marriage. What do you suggest for people initiating a separation or divorce or a breakup who are experiencing this kind of guilt, who might ultimately have, I say, seller's remorse, but I don't mean that they re- that they don't want to end the marriage, but they might regret. You mean like they're struggling with it? Yeah, no, I get that, and that's really. Mm-hmm. That's it. Honestly, that's so common. It's weird because, yeah. of course, people don't talk about it except for to your like best best friends, right? But yeah. I've heard it so many times, having mm-hmm. been in this field. And like one thing I would say is sometimes we give ourselves too much credit. Like the other person's mm-hmm. just gonna die without us, right? Yeah. And so like, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but no, the fact true. is, over time, like yeah. your spouse will be happier with someone who appreciates them for all the way. Sure. Right. So let's say you're married to like someone who's really nice, like a really good person. And there's nothing like objectively wrong with them. But you're just like, it's just not the right dynamic. Um, If once you finally make that break. Mm -hmm. Right. And assuming that that person doesn't, you know, I mean, obviously, relation people are highly nuanced so i don't want you know right anybody to think who's listening that i mean like oh everybody's just going to be happy but the fact of the matter is 
if your partner isn't suffering from some, you know, great debilitating like an illness or, you know, mental or physical or whatever, I mean, the fact of the matter is they'll probably be happier without you over time yeah. because it'll be better because they right. will, because on some level, they probably know that they're not in the right dynamic. And and who knows how they feel, right, on the inside? Right. Who knows? Right. We can't get in each other's head. Right? Isn't that like we think we can, but oh, we actually can. And we we can assume what the other person's thinking. I mean, with good communication, you can hopefully bring bring all of that out. But for sure, right? Yeah, but most people don't have that great communication. I do think sometimes, ironically, the people a lot of times when people break up when there's quote unquote nothing wrong, but they uh-huh. feel like they're more friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I do think, and this is totally anecdotal. A lot uh-huh. of those couples have great communication, so it feels yeah. especially weird. But yes. still, over you know, when you look back, it's probably the right thing. You have to really trust your mm-hmm. gut. You, you and you, you need to become best friends with yourself. For sure. And you're right. You know what I mean? That. So that you have the Absolutely. fortitude, which it sounds like you did. And, um, I think so, yeah. Yeah. You know, but, it was but it's not easy. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say it's almost because, in my experience, and I know that this is unique, there was so little conflict, almost no conflict. We didn't even have attorneys during, in our divorce. Um, it made the, it extended in some ways, maybe the grieving process for me because we had this best friend element mm. that then, I wanted to walk away from the marriage, but I still wanted to be friends. And then mm. once, he, once he made the decision at, after he moved on, mm-hmm. then the friendship ended. And that was, it was for me grieving the friendship more than. The, mm. Well, life is long. Really you could still become, you might be That's friends true. again. That's I mean, you know what I mean? Like you just don't know. The, it, it's not over yeah. till it's over. It really isn't. I mean, like yeah. it would be a whole other podcast, but I, I could tell you so many stories. Like it's, he may need space. His new relationship yeah. may need space, right? Yeah. Like who knows? Who knows? So yeah. um, maybe it was so painful, but in any yeah. case, right, I get it. Right. Every, everything is, is different. But, you know, I think, I think it is interesting that the notion of guilt, the notion of grieving like how would how long would you say that a typical divorce process takes in terms of emotional you know the emotional piece so i think a lot of that is going to be determined uh, by um how long the actual divorce happens like okay. so the emotional piece like you're talking like mm-hmm. the grieving process i think yeah. you're right like I, i've heard yeah. in many times and places a year and a half two years okay. to like make yourself be at one with the fact that it's happening, right? That's not like a formula, but that's sort of like a, I've just read that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, And I've seen it, you know, sometimes people come in, they're just heartbroken and they're like, you know, they feel like they can't breathe. And there's, you know, when the news is sort of put upon them. And then, you know, two years later, you know, sometimes they're like in love with somebody else. And, you know, sometimes I said like, send me an invitation, you know, send me maybe not an invitation, but an announcement when they're getting married. They're never getting married again, but it's not true. Right. Like, um, so I would say that I'm a really big advocate of making agreements, right. Like with your, um, spouse, some, or if let's just say you're breaking up, say you're, uh, and, and I'm not sure who um, your audience is, but if you're young and you have, um, maybe you have a baby and um, you don't want to make an agreement because you don't have like full full faith in the other, the other party, you wind mm-hmm. up creating more chaos for yourself by not just making a parenting plan. Because once mm-hmm. things are in order, 
then right. there's no more arguing, and then you can start to release all the sadness, anger. Yeah. You have to you have to um, get through all the stages of grief. That's just oh, for the sure. thing. And, and like sure. and like what you said. Um, Sometimes you have to go through it again because there's another mm-hmm. loss on top of the loss, right? Yeah. And there's and it could keep happening, and and so you might feel knocked off kilter. Maybe you were fine, and then like again, I know I keep bringing up kids, and it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. you don't have to have kids for these things to be true, obviously. But um, you know, maybe you grieve all over again five years later when the spouse mm-hmm. who you left then you know um, marries someone who's like incredibly involved with your kid and your kid seems right. to almost favor the step parent or maybe they have mm-hmm. another baby and you're like I didn't even care about having a baby like right. I mean it's so complicated sure. but just knowing that it's normal I think is is really powerful because you can feel so alone because nobody talks about it because of the shame exactly. and stigma yeah right exactly. it's like a whole yeah. vicious cycle yeah and I think it's longer than people allow themselves you know it, it's when you're in it, all you want is for the pain and hurt and sadness to be gone. And it, it's like allowing yourself time to really process. That's okay. You know, I it's necessary it's, actually, it is, because if you yeah. don't, it's going to come out in weird ways. Exactly. It's, sure. Your body's going to hold it. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is why I think therapy is really powerful. And, and like you said, it's a divorce coach and that that's something that didn't, I didn't realize was a, a resource in my divorce, but certainly therapy was something that was really valuable. Um, right. Where there's like, I'm, I'm co-sponsoring um, at a big event um, in LA this weekend at the Riveter mm-hmm. or next weekend, um, which is called um, the best you ever divorce retreat. And it's just like That's a so cool. day filled with people um, mm-hmm. who are inspirers around divorce, like financial yeah. people and therapists and yoga and meditation and divorce lawyers. And yeah. just like to get you, to sort of normalize your feelings, right? right? Because they are normal. It's just nobody talks about it. Nobody, nobody about comes it. Yeah. out because you're going inward because it's so painful. Exactly. And when you're in it, you're not exactly knowing other people who are going through the same experience in the world. It's And you might it's know them, but nobody's lonely. talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And it just it feels very lonely. Um, totally. I think... I think the divorce retreat sounds like an amazing idea, and I think your book is fantastic. Oh, thank um, you so I'm much. Really, yeah, it's just uh, it, it, I've never seen a book out there of its kind, so thank you for writing it. Oh, um, my gosh, you're so welcome. And I, I hope yeah. that it's helpful even after the fact because – Absolutely, yeah, and I've been sharing it with people I know as well, So, or you know, mentioning the name because I think for anyone thinking or going through the process of divorce, I really think that this is – an amazing resource to go about it in a, you know, thoughtful way. Um, so, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, you were going to say something else, Gabrielle? Oh, no, I, I'm not sure. I don't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you, yeah, do you have anything else you want to add to this? I'm um, just, you know, just, you know, that, you know, take it one day at a time when you're going mm. through your divorce, and even if it's years later and you're wondering, like, why don't I feel better yet, you know, yeah. just – you have so much power in you, and I just want everybody mm. to rem- be reminded of that. And if you'd like to learn more about um, me and my services beyond Better Apart, um, if you head over to GabrielleHartley.com or BetterApart.com, you can learn about my um, coaching and my mediation practice. And I will be offering um, training for people who want to become or deepen their divorce coaching practice. Mm. And also... Um, I will very soon be offering um, a sweet little six-week program 
for people. They can you can have you can opt to have direct interaction with me in a group or individually, or you can just buy the little six week program um, and do it mm-hmm. on your own time at home. Which if you're not a big reader, or even if you are a reader, you know if you want a little bit more, um, it's like two sweet little videos that you'll get every week with some written things throughout the time, so you feel like you're not alone on your journey. And Mm. it's a nice compliment to other resources that you might have in your life. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. That's so valuable. So, Um, um, and and also, if there's anyone in the LA area who is interested, Los Angeles, who's Mm -hmm. interested in learning um, about the BY, the BYE Divorce Retreat, um, you can find out more information on my website or at byedivorce.com. Awesome. You can find Gabrielle at GabrielleHartley.com or on Instagram at at Gabrielle Hartley. And if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review and make sure to follow us on iTunes and Spotify and on Instagram at at Interrelate Podcast.